the hope we find in Jesus. It is not abstract. It is not just an idea. That hope is tangible. That hope is something that reaches to us, that we could touch, that we could feel, that we can experience for ourselves. Hey, Evangel family, happy Mother's Day. So thankful that you would join us for today's service and just pray for all the moms out there. You feel blessed today. I'm also so thankful to be here with the world's best mom, my wife, Mandy. <laughs> happy Mother's Day. Aww. Love you. So thankful that we could be together Thank today. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day. We are so happy to be with all of you. Um, I want to say happy Mother's Day to my mom and my grandmother. And so excited to be able to share this very special day. Even though we are socially distanced, it doesn't mean that we cannot be together and celebrate with all of you. In fact, we wanted to take a moment uh, this Mother's Day really to honor many of the women you're watching today. And uh, many of you play different roles in, in the lives of the people that love you. And uh, there's something we've done as a tradition here at Evangel. And even though we're in this season, it's not going to stop us from leaning in. And so we want to take a moment. We want to read something we call the wide spectrum of uh, motherhood. And we want to bless you today and then pray over you. So just join us right now. And let's just, uh, in our hearts and our thoughts and our prayers, let's lift up mothers in this moment. To those who gave birth this year, to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones each and every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss this year through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who have walked the hard path of infertility, Fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance or even social distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who have lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who have lived through the driving tests, the medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our lives. To those of you who may have emptier nests this coming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart. And we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you. We want to take a moment right now to pray for the mothers that are in our lives and the women that mean so much to us. And in fact, if you're near someone right now, would you just surround them and would you lay hands on them this morning? Let's pray God's richest blessing over them. Come on, right now, let's just begin to call upon the Lord and pray over these special women in our lives. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you for mothers everywhere. We give thanks for their love, their care, and compassion and concern. We lift them up to you, especially those who have struggled in their roles as mothers, where their path may not have been as smooth. We pray for those whose mothers perhaps have failed them in any way. Bring hope in the midst of their lives, whether as mothers or as children. And for those relationships that are strained, please grant reconciliation. We love you. We praise you. We thank you, Father. And where there is pain, Jesus. Lord, bring healing in your grace and your mercy. Thank for those who are unable 
to have children of their own. Lord, fill their hearts with your amazing love. For those who are celebrating today, fill their hearts with that great and overflowing joy. Bless them in their ministry and their role as being a mother to others. Lord, as we reflect today, Lord, on mothers, we know, Lord, that they bear your heart, Lord, and your love. And we pray that you would now, Lord, out of your abundant mercy, extend your grace and your love over mothers everywhere through Jesus Christ, your son and our Lord. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again for being with us today on Mother's Day. And, you know, as Mandy and I were talking about this, we, we're we in a series called Hope Rising. And I know it's been just meaning a lot to us as we've been thinking about this uh, topic of hope because um, so many are feeling hopeless during this season and during this hour. And as we were coming to this message, we wanted to share a message with you together. Um, and here's the big question that I think we're struggling with during a season like this is how do we hold on to hope? How do we have hope when we don't have control? Mm. Let me say that again. How do we have hope when we don't have control? That feels kind of familiar with what we're going through right now. Absolutely. And as mothers and parents in general, you know, we want the best for our children. We want everything to be perfect for them. And this was the week, you know, for all, all of us in New Jersey, we had to tell our children that they wouldn't be able to go to school and, you know, or see their friends again or see their teachers again. And, you know, regardless of how you may feel about that decision, it was a hard, it was hard to do that. It was hard to have that conversation. And, you know, it just reminds me that there's just so little in this situation that I can actually control. Um, so just, yeah, it, it's just, it's just a tough picture um, that we face ourselves in. Yeah. And I think that as we're thinking about that, and when we think of this idea of a, a, a loss of control and the lack of control, it can create a real sense of hopelessness. It can create a sense of despair and overwhelm. And in this Hope Rising series, I really believe through this word that we've been talking about in this conversation we're going to have this morning on Mother's Day, that hope is going to rise up as we learn how to have hope when we don't have control. What an applicable, timely message in this series for us today. Um, you know, whenever I think about many of the things in, in the lives on Mother's Day that mothers might be dealing with that they don't have control of. I know we walk through this, um, things like infertility and waiting to have a child. And, and Mother's Day can be a difficult day for some because there is this lack of control of wanting something. You can become a mother and you have children that are making their own choices and you want to have control but don't have control and they're hurting themselves or something like that is taking place or there's a diagnosis. And when that control isn't there, it can be very painful, especially for moms, right? Right. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to walk through a, you know, a message that we want to look at a couple in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, where we can really see this picture of them not being in control. In fact, it's about fertility. It's them not being able to give birth to a child. And it's Abraham and Sarah, as we know in Scripture. And I believe as we dive into their story, we can learn how to have hope when we don't have control. So let's jump into that. Here's what today's kind of message is going to look like. We're going to take a look at the life of Sarah and the life of Abraham, and we're going to see them at their low point where they feel hopeless, most hopeless, most trying at their low, and then where the turning point was in their lives and how that can apply to us today. So let's just pray. And right where you are, let's just pray one more time and ask God to speak to us. Lord, we just give you this word. And Mandy and I give this conversation to you, Lord. And we pray that in the same way that this word is shaping our family, it's shaping our marriage, it's shaping us in this moment, Lord, it would shape each person, each mom, each family, everyone watching, that, Lord, it would speak to our hearts today. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. If you have your Bible, would you open up with me right now? We're going to look in the uh, book of Genesis, Genesis chapter uh, 15. In Genesis chapter 15, and we're going to spend a lot of our time this morning in the book of Genesis looking at the story and the life of uh, Abraham and Sarah and what God did in this moment that's so special. You know, as we come to this moment, this is Abraham's low point. You know, he is losing control of a lot of things. In fact, uh, Lot, uh, his nephew, was taken into captivity in chapter 14 and and carried away. And there was so much that was kind of destroyed. And uh, there was this uprising. And it was just kind of a hopeless situation. Ultimately, Abraham was able to find some victory and uh, work through that. But I think it left him feeling so hopeless because God had made a promise to him that he would be the father of many nations. He was old and advanced in his years. And he was not able to have children. His wife wasn't able to give birth to a child. And so it was already difficult. And I think that there are moments that we're going through challenges and then we get hit with a crisis and everything starts to unfold. That kind of sounds familiar too. Being a parent is hard in in, and of itself. And then to be a parent during this pandemic and during this very stressful time, it just takes it to the, to the next level. Yeah, and so I think that that's happening. You know, we're feeling it. That there can already be challenges, but then when crisis comes, and he had a crisis on his hands, mm-hmm. it just amplified it. And what it left him was feeling utterly hopeless. So let's just look here in Genesis chapter 15. And as we get to Genesis 15, um, you know, he's feeling just a sense of hopelessness. And so the, the Lord begins to speak to him in that moment. And here's what it says. It says, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision. Another passage of scripture says the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. I want you to think about that. Just hang on to that. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and I will reward you. It will be great. And Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all my blessings if I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. And then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. And then the Lord took him outside and said, Look up at the sky, count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. This is, this is the moment for Abra- Abram that he comes to this low point, and you can see it all around. It says, the Lord says to him a few things. He says, you know, don't be afraid. I'm going to protect you. I'm your shield and your great reward. Why would the Lord say that? Because the Lord knows what we're feeling. He knows what we're thinking. Um, you know, he knows not just what we're doing. He knows why we're doing what we're doing. And, and in that, in thinking about that, you know, I can, I can see in the text that He's feeling afraid. The the Lord doesn't go around telling people not to be afraid. They're not feeling afraid. Um, He's vulnerable. He's he's left his whole city. He's left everything behind. And he feels a a fear around provision. I mean, these are three areas, Mandy, that people are feeling right now. They're very afraid. Maybe you're watching right now. You're very, very afraid. People feel vulnerable every time they go shopping. I mean, think about that. We have those kind of conversations as a family about what that feels like. And then they feel like they're looking for that provision. Some have been furloughed. Some have have lost jobs. Some have dealt with all of those things. The Lord has the same word for us that he did for Abraham. And especially as the head of the household, I think he probably feels that pressure even more to provide for his family. Yeah. And so here he is feeling all these things. And then he just starts to spill his heart. He says, everything I have isn't going to be ever given to a child. He feels utterly 
hopeless. This is his low point. Yes. This is that moment where just he feels like he doesn't have anything else to give. And I think that that's a moment that many, uh, many men are feeling, many people are feeling, many of us are walking through. But I also think it's something that moms are feeling. And we Absolutely. see that with Sarah as well. Absolutely. And so when we dive into the book of Genesis and we look at Sarah's story, we look at uh, chapter 16, verses 1 through 6. Now Sarai, and, and what's funny is, you know, we're going to talk about her, her name. Her name was actually Sarai before we come to know her as Sarah. So we'll dive into that a little bit deeper. Uh, but now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. This is a picture of a woman who is taken the situation and has totally put it into her own hands. Um, I'll keep reading. Uh, you know, We can see a little bit more into this picture here. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. You can even just imagine uh, that happening. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled into the land of Canaan. And so Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. And then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms. But now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show you who's wrong, you or me. And Abram replied, look, she's your servant. So deal with her as you see fit. And then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. And I think to myself, this is a woman who... Um, Think about for years and years, you know, just especially in that day and age, um, honor, right? Honor was such a huge deal. And so for a woman who was barren, a woman who couldn't have children, um, there was so much shame that uh, not only covered her, but her family and just the, the desire to want to pass on an inheritance. Um, there was so much uh, in that culture and respect for uh, being able to pass down through that family line. And so uh, for her to not be able to do that, um, yes, there was the, this promise that one day uh, she would be able to, but I, I just think how many women, um, you know, myself included, that we've received promises from God, right? Or, you know, there are things that we are hoping for, praying for, wishing. And and what did you preach about just a few weeks ago? Just that um, the hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so this is a woman whose heart is sick and she is starting to... Um, She's starting to take things into her into her own hands and, and really trying to move God's hand by thinking, you know what, I'm just going to give God a little bit help. And, and you know, I, I think to myself, um, just even in, in my own thinking, you know, I think as women, we want to try to, you know, control things. We, we're talking about this lack of control, especially what we're feeling in the COVID-19 crisis. Um, I find myself with the very little of the things that I can control, I think about, well, what can I control? And I might start just throwing myself into, like, cleaning my daughter's room or, or, you know, or, you know, the whole house could be a mess, but, you know, we, the stink has to have like no dishes in it. <laughs> so, yes. you know, so there's like certain things that um, they're silly, but they make us feel better. They're coping mechanisms. Um, and that's just a, a small slice of, of, of what we're seeing. Yeah, here. I think you're getting at something is whenever we whenever we feel like we're out of control, one of the things that we'll try to do is we'll try to take control mm -hmm. of a situation. Right. And fear um, is, is ultimately one of the great means that we'll do that, yeah. you know? And, and so one of the greatest ways that fear manifests itself is through control. Mm -hmm. So when we, feel, when we feel it, we feel like we have to be in control. And that's part of what's really hurting so many is the uncertainty of this hour, the time that we're dealing with. And that, that oftentimes when we try to take our lives into our own hands, yeah. it is a mess. And that's what ends up happening. There is a mess yeah. on Sarah's hands. And 
And I think that that's really something that kind of manifests and comes out uh, many times in our lives, not just for mothers, but for all yeah. of us, you know? Yeah. And I think in general, too, you know, we, we think about just women. Um, there's so much pressure on women um, in, in general, in our culture, to be a certain way, to look a certain way. And, you know, a lot of it comes from social media and, you know, movies and magazines and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, but we also put that on ourselves. And so, you know, here we're getting bombarded each and every day through social media, through all these different things. And then we have that um, that voice inside that tells us how we should look and how we should act and how we should be. So there's just a ton of pressure that I think women are, are, are always feeling. And so they are taught by the culture that, you know, I just have to look or do this or, you know, and whatever you fill in the blank, whatever it is that that perhaps you're struggling with. But um, think about it. If I, if I can just homeschool my children this certain way or I can um, decorate my house in this certain way or if I can um, you know, remedy whatever is going on with your hair during COVID-19 in a certain way, <laughs> uh, you fill in the blank. But we feel that pressure um, and we go on and we go on. And we realize that those aren't those things that we're trying to do. That they're not going to fill the void. They're not going to help us with anything. Um, if anything, they frustrate us more. We get stressed out. We lose control, and we feel that emptiness inside because those are the things that you know we're trying to fix that we really have no control over. Yeah. One of the things we said is through this crisis, we can either become better or we can become bitter. Right. Here's what happened. Yeah. So Sarah tried to control something. She tried to take control of the situation. Yeah. She tried to take it into her own hands because she was out of control. She hatched her own scheme. Yeah. That scheme then led her to have to now experience mm -hmm. um, the ramifications of that. Right. And what did it leave her? It left her bitter. Every time she yep. looked, she felt more and more empty. I mean, it's the same thing that happens in our lives. Right, right. And, you know, a lot of times, too, especially as mothers, we, we tend to um, lash out at our children, right? So when we're frustrated, when we're stressed out, um, you know, we, we that we bring that attitude into our home and, and the way that we speak to our husbands or our, our children. Um, you know, sometimes our family sees the best and worst of us. Um, so it's, it's just very interesting. You know, we crave this comfort and control we almost like we worship it right um and really um we need to be putting our our focus and our hearts in in a better place yeah i think that that's exactly it and you know that that idea of control that's it's an idolatry it's a way of us trying to worship something else other than what god would want us to and and i think that's that's uh, that's that's it and so for for sarah for, for sarai for for abram mm -hmm. they're at this point that they're at the low point and for um you know i i think oftentimes uh you know sarah gets the the bat, the brunt of it that like right. she hatched this plan he went along with the plan. Come on, you know, uh, God didn't just curse Eve uh, whenever this happened. And, and, you know, Adam tried to shift the blame, but both of them were willing participants in this. You know, by him doing that, God made a promise to him in chapter 15. He made a promise that, look, I'm going to give you a son. And then Abraham still chose Sarah's plan over God's plan. Right. And so here's what happens when we compromise. We're choosing someone else's plan over God's plan. We're choosing someone mm -hmm. else's way over God's plan. It's our way. It's someone else's mm -hmm. way. It's whatever influences. And I think that when we're out of control, the illusion of control, mm -hmm. you know, yes. does it. Yes. And that's why there's things like pornography and other things that are, are there. One of the reasons why those are issues mm -hmm. is because they are a means of control. They're a way to try to control something. Mm -hmm. And so where we're seeing that even in the midst of crisis crisis will lead people sometimes to unhealthy places to try right. to control things right. and um, and that brings us to our low point so we see um 
Abraham, we see Sarah, we see them at a very low point. We see them at a point where they've tried to hatch their own plan, and it's just not working. I think that they're helping God in some way. For us to even think that we could help God, right? How ridiculous does that sound? Yes, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I'm so thankful that God doesn't leave us at our low point, that right. he can turn it. And and I want you to know that turning points are one of the most uh, incredible moments. Uh, the word but is one of the greatest words in all of Scripture because it talks about the reality of what it was, but now what it is. And I'm thankful Amen. this is not the end of their story. Yeah. I'm thankful today that this is not the end of our story with COVID-19, right. that there will be, and I believe is coming and it's happening. There's a turning point that's Amen. coming. There's going to be a shifting. I'm yeah. thankful today that although we might feel that that uh, there's a hopelessness because of the school calendar or because of that, and we might feel a sense of loss, right. but that's not where God leaves it. Amen. We can't think that God has put a period where there's only mm-hmm. a comma. There's more to the story, Amen. and I'm excited, you know. Amen. In the same way that there's multiple seasons, I really believe there's multiple seasons through this crisis. Mm-hmm. and it's going to end in redemption, that God is going to redeem. He's going to bring harvest. Mm-hmm. He's going to bring his plan to fruition. And I believe we have to hold confidently under that hope, right. even when we don't have control of right. it. You know, it's right. it's so important. So when we think about getting that turning point, I want to get to that because if we go back to chapter 15, we can actually see when we get to the turning point for Abraham. It comes there in um in verse 5, as God's showing him the stars in the sky, something clicks in Abraham's heart in this exchange where it says this, verse 6, And Abram believed the Lord, and God counted it to him as righteous because of his faith. There was something where when God's word fills your heart, it gets planted in your heart, and you take it, it's faith. Faith is what allows God's word to become rooted in our hearts, where we really don't just know God's word, we be- we believe in God's word, we receive God's word into our hearts through faith, that something changes. And the Bible says there was an exchange, it was credited to him as righteousness, because that happened, he believed the Lord. And then the, the Lord said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans, and I'm giving you this land as a possession. And then Abraham said, Lord, how are you going to do this? How is this going to happen? And this is where one of the most beautiful pictures in Scripture takes. This is the turning point. And so let's take a look here again. I want to just dive into this for just a moment and show the picture of the gospel. Show the picture of what God did in this moment. It's really beautiful. It's one of the most actual important passages in all of Scripture. Um, And so what we look here is God is speaking to Abraham. He's telling him, you're going to have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Abraham's question back to him is how. How is that going to happen? So God says, I want you to do something. He gives him an instruction. He says, I want you to get these animals, like get, um, you know, the heifer and get the goat and get these birds. And then he says, I want, now cut them animals in half and place them apart from each other. Now, for many of us, we have no idea what's going on here. Most, as people are reading it, you're just like, that was weird. Um, But what's happening, if you're studying that, there's something called a covenant. Covenant is one of the most beautiful words in the scriptures because it's so much deeper than a promise. It is this, this enduring um, trust and promise and, and really entering into of agreement that we're going to um, go deeply through this together. We're in this together. And what God was trying to set up for Abraham was a covenant. This is a special kind of covenant that kings or leaders would set up among one another. And this is how they prepare for this kind of covenant. In the same way that there's a token when we got married, Mandy, at this altar, we took something. We had a token of the covenant. This is a token. This is a picture of what there, what's going to happen. So 
God tells him. And so I think Abraham would have understood what's going on. That's why it doesn't say God told him to cut it a certain way. He cut it a certain way. He started to prepare it. So he has these two animals. And then it says they go to sleep. Now, here's what normally happens during this time. Whenever you have these two kings, they would either both walk through it or the lesser king, the king who needed something from the one who was more powerful, um, he would they would pass through the inside of this animal. And I mean, like, you know, this is what it was like. You took the animal and they split the animal apart and you hold this here and you hold this and they would spread them apart and then the king would walk through like the blood, like yeah. the blood there, yeah. pass through the blood. Think about this for just a moment, pass through the blood. And as they did that, what they were saying was, if, if I fail this, this is what's going to happen to me. If I don't fulfill this, or if you don't fulfill this, this is your fate. That's what this meant. Wow. That like your life will be on the line if you don't fulfill what you're saying right now. So normally, again, the lesser would pass through that because they needed something from the greater. You, but you would assume it would be Abraham. You would, but yeah. God puts Abraham to sleep. Wow. And then the Bible says that, that the Lord himself, mm. it says in verse 17, when the sun had set and the darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with blazing torch appeared and passed between the two pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. Here's the power of it. You know what this is? One of the earliest pictures of the gospel. Amen. God made a promise, said in his word, I will fulfill it. And if I don't, I will give my life. I am make, I'm passing through the blood to make sure that you know that I'll keep my word. And isn't it so amazing that thousands of years later, that on a hill called Calvary, mm -hmm. God's son, Jesus Christ, yes. went and shed his mm -hmm. blood mm -hmm. to fulfill that promise Amen. of that time so long ago. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing. It so is. that's this picture that mm -hmm. God wow. keeps his promise. And he says, I will give my life mm -hmm. to keep my promise. You know why we can trust God today? Do you know why we can have hope? Because God keeps his word. He's kept his word. And he proves it over and over and over again. I mean, that just fills my heart with joy. Yeah. That's the turning point yeah. for, for Abraham. What about Sarah? So for Sarah, we see her turning point coming a little bit later in uh, Genesis 18. And this is um, later on, this is actually a conversation that Sarah is overhearing. Um, between uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, between Abraham and God. But before that, she actually had her name changed. Yes. In, in chapter 17, the Lord literally changes her name, says no longer will her name be yeah. Sarai, but it'll be Sarah now. Now, we actually understand that, that there's something going on with her name. What's going right. on with her name? So her name, Sarai, had originally meant my princess. And so that was just really meant that she was like the princess of her own household um, but when we see that her name is changed to Sarah it's just like in Hebrew I think it's just one letter that's changed um, but it actually means princess of multitudes so um, so or not princess of the prince pr yeah, right or the prin coming prince or, uh, the coming messiah prince. yes yeah. and so and we'll see that later in her in the lineage uh, we'll be able to see that she's kind of like the the mom of all mom of everyone she's, yeah, you know, including she's, Jesus she's comes through Jesus. that line right yeah. right it, it's it's pretty incredible um, to think especially for a woman who was who was told she was barren, that had no hope, no hope of ever having a, ch a child, that she would be that part of that lineage of Jesus. It's quite amazing. Now, whenever you think about that, um, and and she's hearing that, so we get to that's chapter seventeen. Her right. name gets changed. Right. Now she's Sarah. She's standing outside. Right. And I mean, but think about between chapter 17 and 18 how sad is it to have yes. your name changed to something it's almost like more insult mm -hmm. like you're the mother of multitudes it's like i'm getting older every every right. day here 
well, and, and that's, that's the thing about when we read the Bible too. A lot of times we are, we, you know, we'll, we'll read chapter, chapter. We think that these things happen so quickly, but sometimes there are years and years that pa- that pass in between chapters that we're reading. So, you know, I don't know that we know the exact time frame, but to know, to know that you've been given this promise, that you've been given this word and you're carrying it in your heart, but to not yet see that into fruition. So here we are in chapter 18, uh, verse 19, I'm sorry, verse nine, I'll just pick up. Um, Where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. Oh, she's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Meanwhile, she's listening and she's hearing all this. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time and Sarah was long past the age of childbearing. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, I mean, she meant meaning her husband, my husband is also so old. And, you know, we think about this and, and I'm reminded that it, it talks about earlier when Abraham finds out that he's going to be the father of many nations. Abraham laughs, too. Yep. But I think that his laugh was more of a rejoicing. I think just like, oh, wow, like, like chuckling to himself. He's happy. I feel like this laugh is a little bit different. Yep. I feel like this laugh is the laugh of a woman who almost like a scoff, like a like, you know, you've had this hope in your heart for so many years and, and almost to the, to the effect of you're no longer hoping for that. You know, you've just kind of closed that door in your life and you don't feel like, you know what, that was for the past. That was for that season, but no more. I'm done with this. And so here's a woman who has kind of put that thing in her life to rest and now being brought back in her face and all of a sudden she's going to become, you know, a mother and she's going to have a son. Um, so this laugh, this is a laugh of unbelief. It's a laugh of doubt. Mm. It's a laugh even in um, a, a doubting or unbelief in the lack of her own ability as she's you know, looking at her withered body to think, you know, how, could, how could this even be? This is impossible. And so this is, I think this is the part that cracks me up. And I, you know, if, uh, if any of you are like me, you, know, you, you have that conversation with God and, and all of a sudden he just kind of puts you, he puts you in your place, right? He, yep. he checks you. And so it says that the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? So it's funny, you know, it's almost Mm. like God and and Abraham are having this little side conversation. Um, But then he goes right to it. He says, I will return this time next year and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah was afraid. So she denied it saying, no, I didn't laugh. I mean, I think about my own child. I think about, you know, Jojo. And I'm like, Jojo, did you do that? No, I didn't do that, Mommy. No, I didn't. And then we're like, yes, you did. And he says, oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, and that's but that's exactly what happens. You know, she's like, "No, I didn't laugh," and the Lord's like, "Nope, you did laugh." And so I, I just I love how the Bible just that humor, right? You know, it, it, it's very human, um, and we can be very real in in these yeah. moments. And so I, I think that just paints us a picture of. You know, the, the, this, you know, this time where the Lord spoke to Sarah, you know, mm-hmm. fi- you know, we hear, you know, all of these passages we're reading about, it's between Abraham and God and what's happening between them two. And, and I'm sure, I'm sure that Abraham shared with Sarah at some point, you know, this is what God's saying. This is what God's saying. But it wasn't until, uh, you know, that she actually had that encounter with him and he put her in her place and corrected her, um, 
you know, did she have that moment? And we know, we see that later on in Hebrews 11. Yeah, you know, if we yeah. come all the way down through the Bible, you know, we see that she actually did embrace. And, and so whatever um, uncertainty or, or doubt or unbelief that she had, you know, that gets all put to rest because by the time we see, we pick up in Hebrews 11, verse 11, it says that it was by faith. A woman who had no faith, a woman who uh, had lost that faith, that that faith had, had you know, d- became a distant dream. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. And though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God could keep her promise. And it's, that's so beautiful to me that we see that redemption for her. You know, I'm, we're rooting for Sarah the whole time, <laughs> you know, that, but that we see that redemption. But, you know, I think the thing is that we're all like Sarah, right? You know, it, it's very easy when we're when we're reading the Bible and we, we say, well, how could how could Peter be like that? Or how could Abraham or how could Sarah or any of these, you know, people, how could they be acting like that? And I think, you know, it paints a picture of our own brokenness, our own humanness. Um, and I and I think for us we have to we have to remember that as moms, right? We there are times where um, Man, we, we are just so imperfect. And, you know, there are times where we want to do the right thing. And, you know, we, again, we're trying to control things. We're trying to make things perfect for our children. You know, we're reaching to all these external things. But change is only going to become from the inside out, not the other way around. Yeah. We're, trying to, we're trying to bring the outside and make an internal change, and it, it's not going to no, happen and, that and way. No, and external circumstances right. don't have the power to change our lives yeah. the way we think they do. The greatest change is, is inward change yes. that takes place. And really, what needed to happen for Sarah and what needed to happen for Abraham was it was all, all about not what was happening on the outside, but what was yeah. happening on the inside. Right. You know, it says in Hebrews chapter uh, 4, verse 12, that the word of God is living and active, mm. and it's sharper than a double-edged Amen. sword. Amen. And at the end of that verse, it says it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Here's what I want. Here, here's what I, I'm always just incredibly aware of is that God doesn't just see what we do. He saw that Abraham laughed and he saw that Sarah laughed, but God sees why we do Mm, what we do. He sees why Abraham laughed and why Sarah laughed. And there was something about the heart attitude behind the laugh that caused them to be in a position where God caught notice. It was credited to Abraham as righteousness. Sarah was corrected Mm. and God gave his word to her. He brought word to her. Mm. And I do think there's that common thread of what about the turn point in each one made the difference mm. is when the word of the Lord came to them. Right. The word of the, the Bible says in 15, that was the turning point. The word of the Lord came to Abram and that's what began to change it. God's spoken word right. to him in him receiving that word. In Sarah, the word came to her. It wasn't the same kind of word. It wasn't a word of comfort and promise. It was a mm-hmm. word of correction. Like, yeah. no, I, I, yes, you did. <laughs> That's all it says that happened. And here's what's amazing is that those are the only words we, we hear mm-hmm. that God speaks directly to Sarah. Yes, you did. And that was enough that that word, I believe, mm. as God spoke to her and showed her, I know you. And I'm, this promise is for you. Mm. This Everything I've said is for you. And I see you. She had to take hold of it herself. She did. And she had to believe it. And I think the question that we, you know, women and men, everyone, we all have to ask ourselves is, am I trusting God and his promises? Am I truly taking them at their word? Am I, you know 
take, and, and not only that, but are, am I taking the time to even know what his promises are? Am mm. I taking the time to read my Bible and to pray um, and to study his word? And I'm telling you, I know in this crisis that we're dealing with now, there are times that I find it hard to pray. I find it hard to uh, read my Bible, I, you know, to take, to take that time to be with him. And so um, the struggle is real. And I know that parents everywhere, um, people everywhere are, are facing the, those times. But I know that when I do take the time to be with him, to commune with him, um, and I, it's not just a head knowledge. And, and for those of us who've been around the church for a while, we, you know, we have that in our head. But it, there's a huge difference of when we start living it and believing it, and it becomes a part of who we are. Um, and you know, we, are, we are sinners. We live in a broken, a broken world. And so we're not going to be perfect. We're going to make a mess of things. But it's the Holy Spirit within us. that he, That's what's going to be that transforming power. Right. Yeah. So it's not like we're trying to do this perfect thing and lead this perfect life because the Bible tells me so. It's because I, because of who he is, he's now in me. And now I have the power and the helper of the Holy Spirit to help me be who he has me to be and to be that be that person that he's called me to be and to then be able to lead my family and my children in that way. Yeah, and I think that that's it. And that's that turning point. I believe that today as we've heard God's word, that's a turning point God wants to bring into our hearts and our lives. And I would just say this, that for each of them, they had a revelation. Like God revealed himself. God spoke into their heart. God had to correct. God had to bring them to that point of seeing. God had to, to bring them to a point of seeing. There had to be even death was and blood was shed as a part of a covenant. And I would tell you today that if you're in this place and maybe you're feeling hopeless, maybe you're feeling that you need that turning point. And I want to just talk to you for just a moment right now because the turning point that's going to happen in your life, the greatest turning point is when you turn your heart to Jesus, when you really take God's word. The Bible says this, God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die for us. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. He sent Jesus to save us. And God made a promise long ago that he would bless all nations, that there would be blessing, that there would be goodness, that there would be a plan and a future, that there would be hope forever. And Jesus is that living hope. And today, if you're willing to take God at his word, today, if you're willing to experience the greatest turning point you could ever experience by putting your faith in Jesus, everything can change for you starting today. Would you just bow your heads and your hearts with me right now? And let's pray. If you're ready to make a decision, you say, Pastor, I'm at that low point. Lord, I'm at that hopeless point, And I need a transformation. I need a turning point in my life. Say this prayer from the bottom of your heart. This is a prayer to begin a relationship with Jesus, to place your faith in him. He died and he rose again. And God stands ready to forgive you of your sins if you're ready to turn away from them and to turn towards him. And so right now, if you're ready to do that, pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart. Pray, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins that have separated me from you. I turn from my sin today and I turn towards you and I will follow you all the days of my life. I believe that you died for my sins and rose again. And today I will live to follow you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We're so thankful for the decision that you've just made. In fact, we want to walk with you. We want you to know you're not alone. We would love to uh, give you something. We have a book called Following Jesus that we're ready to give you today. If you'll be glad to just... Um, 
take a moment to just click the link there in the chat or uh, text us on on the phone. You can just pull out your phone right now, 908-325-5163. That'll get us the chance to send you a digital version of a book called Following Jesus. And we would love to walk with you today. I think before we get ready to close out, we actually have something uh, pretty big we want to share with you in a few moments. We want to pray uh, for moms. And Mandy, would you just lead out in just a prayer that just summarizes what we've talked about today uh, for everyone watching, but especially for the moms. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you, God, for every woman, Lord God, that is listening to the sound of my voice, God. It is not an accident that you are watching this service right now. And I pray, Father, for each and every person that's listening, God, that you would meet them where they're at, Lord Jesus, that in this time, in this season of uncertainty, Lord God, I pray that we would not look at our circumstances, Lord God. And as we, as we, you know, maybe we're looking at listening to the news or we're going to the grocery stores and we're trying to meal plan and figure out how to make this work. God, you are in control. And when we feel helpless, when we have to come to the end of ourselves, that's exactly where we need to be because we can then rely on you. So I pray, Father, that you would help us. Help us to trust you. Help us to put our faith in you each and every day, moment by moment. And we may be feeling like we can only live <laughs> day by day, hour by hour, but help us to trust you. Help us to, to put our hope and our trust and our faith in you, God, and help us to lead our families well, to be that pillar of strength, Lord God. Um, you're not calling us to have all the answers, and that's why we, we just trust you and we put you first in all things, God. Thank you, Jesus, for this word that we can stand on your promises, that we're not believing empty promises, God. You are a, a God who, who can do the impossible, Lord God. So we pray right now, Father, for every woman out there, Lord Jesus, that you would equip them, you would provide them everything that they need, that your pace, your, uh, your, your peace, your patience, God, um, where there is anxiety and fear, God, that you would bring um, your loving comfort and guidance during this time. We praise you and we thank you, Jesus. Amen. It's been just such a joy to spend this time with you. And uh, we told you coming into today that there was a really big announcement, like a historic announcement. And uh, it's Mother's Day. And I know a lot's been happening during uh, this quarantine status. And so Mandy and I want to share something really big and really exciting with you. Are you ready? I know what you're thinking. We know what they're thinking. They're having, they're having a baby. We're not having a baby. Don't well, worry. No, no. Well, tech, but kind of. Kind of. I guess you kind, could put we're kind of having a baby. Okay, here's not us. not us though. No us though. Yes us. Okay, not Pastor Chris and Mandy. <laughs> Evangel Church <gasps> is having a baby. What? What does that even mean? Well, here's what it means. <laughs> you with me still, Church? Here's what it means. As you know, in January we shared the vision that God was calling us to be changed lives, changing communities in another part of New Jersey. That we were going to become one church in multiple locations. And even though we've been walking through this COVID season, we don't feel that that has stopped the vision of what God is calling us to. And we are excited today to announce how God has brought about. Uh, really, we believe in a miraculous way how we're going to become one church in multiple locations. Um, you know, part of the area that God was really calling us to was the Woodbridge Edison kind of area. And we really had a heart for Woodbridge. We grew up, we, Mandy grew up in Woodbridge, went to Woodbridge High School. And we've always just felt that the Lord was calling us in some way to be a part of the ministry that God was doing there. And uh, we know there are some great churches there. And in fact, one of the churches that we know in Woodbridge is a church that's close to our heart. It's a fellow Assembly of God church. It's Metro Park Church in uh, Island, New Jersey. In fact, Mandy, your grandmother attended that.
that church. It's a church with a long history, over 80 years um, in the faith. And uh, we've really grown to love the pastor there and his wife. And we know we have such a a similar heart. Well, about a year ago, God began to stir our hearts to have a conversation. And we asked one question. Could we be better together? What could it look like if maybe Metro Park Church could become a part of Evangel Church and could become one of our locations and we could become one church instead of two separate churches. And so over that year, we prayed, we sought the Lord, we spoke with our leaders, um, we spent time on our faces before the Lord, and we've come back now over this season and we believe that God is calling us to be better together and to go through a process called a church merger to become one church in multiple locations. So we're excited to share that with you today. Uh, We are excited because we feel this is the plan that God has been preparing us for for a very long time. And I don't know, Mandy, if you just want to share a little bit, but we know this family, uh, the pastor there, Pastor Leslie and his wife, and uh, just an amazing uh, couple, an amazing family that loves the Lord uh, so much. We love uh, Pastor Leslie and um, Anjali and Jude and Praisey. They are so dear to our hearts, such good friends of ours. And so we feel so honored to be able to partner with them in ministry uh, during this time for such time as this. Yeah, and so what you're going to be knowing now because of this church family is we are going to be sending you um, a letter in the mail, especially if you're a member, you're going to be receiving that in a few days, that has a series of frequently asked questions uh, along with what this process is going to look like. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be having uh, some discussions uh, both here and at Metro Park Church. Uh, We're going to ultimately be having a membership meeting where we're going to vote on this uh, culmination and coming together, but in the same way on Mother's Day, on Mother's Day of all days, it's exciting to announce that our family is growing, that we believe God is bringing us to a very special time in evangel's history where we are going to see the vision of changed lives, changing communities, take in a completely different form. So keep an eye on uh, your mail. Uh, Be ready for these meetings and these times that we have for further discussion. We are so looking forward to what God has in store. Our heart's desire is that we are going to launch into that new location uh, this fall season that we're going to have one church. We'll be uh, we'll be worshiping here and we'll be worshiping in Woodbridge. So uh, keep your ears open and uh, keep your eyes ready to learn more about what this is going to look like. But we can't wait to see what God has in store. So we want to join you in celebrating the good news with us. And uh, we'll look forward to sharing more with you in the days and weeks to come as we walk this journey together. Again, church family, thank you so much for being a part of our Sunday morning and our Mother's Day. We pray you have a great rest of your Mother's Day weekend. And we can't wait to see you on Wednesday night and next Sunday morning as we continue our Hope Rising series. God bless you. Love you, church. Bye-bye.